Welcome to another exclusive interview of the G Lu Show podcast. This episode here features none other than the legend himself from the legendary group, one of the founders, godfathers of hip hop, Raheem of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five on this episode of the G Lu Show, hosted by me, G Lu, and the lovely Miss Queen Jean. Tonight we get the history. You know, we get the story, we get the journey, we get the uh, the beginnings, we get the Bronx, we get New York, we get hip-hop as a whole. The legendary Raheem, y'all. All new episode of the G. Lu Show podcast. Let's go. Very African. Come and step in Brother's Temple, see what's happening. This is Brother J of the X-Clan, chilling with the G. Lu Show. Big up to all the gods and the goddesses. To the east, to the east. Respect. Bless. Hey, welcome to the G. Luke Show. World famous G. Luke Show. Flashback Friday tonight. We have a special guest, Raheem from the legendary Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. I am G. Luke. That is Miss Queen Jean on the scene. She is the queen. What up, Queen Jean? Good evening. Good evening, C. Lou. How you doing? Doing pretty great. I'm I'm doing real great, actually, and, and excited about our guest tonight. Also excited because it's the 18th, which is my daughter's birthday. Just got off the line with her, and um, I'm just happy today. This is just a great day, so we're going to make it even greater tonight. Hope you're feeling well as well. Oh, yes, I'm doing good. Happy birthday to your beautiful daughter. Blessings to many, 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 many more years um, with thank her. You. Thank yes. you. Thank and you. Deidre, I love you, baby. Happy birthday. What did you say, Queen? You guys haven't, if you all haven't seen G. Lou's daughter, she's a beautiful, beautiful queen. So, yes, happy birthday <laughs> to her. And I am excited um, for our guest tonight. Very excited that part it should be great i'm look, very looking forward to it um you know um um legendary guest man these guys right here are just just really you could say the godfathers i don't want to say the founders almost but pretty much but just the godfathers of hip-hop you know the whole crew raheem scorpio flash and um uh, uh melly mel i mean it's just like these guys here just set the blueprint for what hip-hop was you know and i mean and uh they're definitely legends just heard two are going to be receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award uh, from the Grammys this year. So I'm sure Raheem has a lot to talk about. Of course, there's, there's trials, tribulations, ups and downs, smiles and frowns through this whole journey. I'm sure we'll talk about all that, but I'm just blessed and honored to have this great man on our show tonight. So he should be here soon. We'll wait for him to come up. And, and with that being said, we'll go to some music first. Let me give a shout-out to our sponsors, BTP Media Group. Made it all happen. Shout-out to Jeff Kwan and the crew over there. Um, he wants to wish everybody happy holidays, all of our listeners, sponsors as well. Shout out to Miss Dee Dee Harrison, our sponsor as well. Shout out to the Conversations in the Hookah Lounge every Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific um, on the YouTube channel, the G. Lou Show channel. We have an all-new episode uh, premiering tomorrow night, so make sure you're there. Uh, tell somebody to come as well. It's going to be a great show. All new episode. Also, shout out to Tweed Cadillac, 93.0 Tweed FMism. Every Thursday night after 6, Cruise Mix goes down. And I co-host with Tweed as well. Um, and there you have it. Um, so we'll be right back after this. I mentioned the birthday. 
So I'm, I got to play this song, one of my favorites by uh, The Furious Five, and send this one out to my lovely daughter because it's her birthday. So happy birthday, DJ. Daddy loves you forever, forever, forever. We'll be right back.
is Queen Jean tuning in on the Fabulous Friday G. Lou Show, where it don't get no better than this. Spend a Friday evening with a chill vibe.
hold on tight. Don't you worry about a thing. Rahima, do you right? I'm a mess. Fret, a women's pet. There ain't a thing in the world that I can't get. It's a history book or the pictures show. It's the golden voice on your radio. I'm the rapper, never put it with a solid go. I'm playing the role. They call me King Creole. And I'm the, the Romeo of the nasty show. All the ladies in the place to my house be go. Take it in the desert just to make you move. Cause I'm cowboy and I got the groove. It's DJ Flash. Cut so mean that he's gonna know your favorite gene. Is it Jordan? Rick, 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 Rick,
SMC Peaches. Thanks for tuning in to the G. Lou Show on Flashback Fridays, hosted by G. Lou. Big up to the sponsors, BT Media and 93 Tweet. <laughs> right here on the D. Lou Show, BTT Media. This is the one and only first female DJ in hip-hop. So to be yours truly, Uncle Jam Johnny. Sounds get laid down on Westside Wednesdays, OG Sundays, Flashback Fridays. We're cruising with G. Lou, fabulous lowrider oldies. So just let me introduce myself. I'm Tweet Cadillac, baby. I took up all the Hennessy you got on the shelf. We got to keep it fly, P.I., and you know why. in the 
tribe the fake whiplash a crowd gathered round They're calling me fat Who you looking at with a face like that? New York, New York, big city of dreams And everything in New York ain't always what it seems You might get fooled if you come from out of town But I'm down by law and I know my way around too much Too many people, too much <laughs> Too much Too many people, too much a baby cries and a mother dies And the tears fall from the doctor's eyes Because in this room, on this day The good Lord has given and taken away The gift of life really means a lot And in the ghetto, your life is all you got They never took the time to tell you about sex So you had to learn about it in the discotheque Nine months later, the baby is there And the n- that did it said, I don't care You don't have enough money to help me too So you have to choose between the baby and you The sky was crying, rain and hell When you put your baby in the garbage pail Then you kiss the kid and put down the lid And you tried to forget what you just did The muffled screams of a dying baby Was enough to drive the young mother crazy So she ran in the rain trying to ease the pain And she drove herself insane New York, New York, big city of dreams But everything in New York ain't all Yo, this is Marcus T from Timex Social Club, and you're listening to the G Blue Show. Welcome back to the G Lou Show Flashback Fridays, and uh, like I promised, we have a very special guest tonight. I've been warming you up with some of these classics, so uh, hold on a minute. Let me bring Queen back in here to introduce our special guest, because I think he's here, Queen. Oh. You here? Okay. Well, yeah, let's give a warm welcome. Okay, can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, I can. Okay. Let's give a warm welcome to Raheem, a member of the legendary group Grandmaster Flash in the Serious Five out of the Bronx, New York. Welcome, Raheem, to the Blue Show. How are you? I'm great. Yourself? Good, good, good. Great to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. Raheem, good evening, sir. Good evening. Peace, King. All right. Peace, peace be on you as well, man. Great to have you here. It's definitely an honor. Very hyped up about this. We got royalty in the building tonight, so it's definitely an honor. So uh, we just want to thank you again for taking time out to bless our platform tonight, sir. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you again for having me. We all we got, bro. That part, that part right there, man. So how you been doing, Raheem? I'm good, man. Just trying to, you know, maintain, you know, uh, uh, trying not to uh, uh, eat myself into a diabetic coma <laughs> as a result of uh, not being able to go, you know, go out and uh, right. get my my daily recommended uh, exercise, but I'm finding a way to get the exercise in the house, and I'm I'm actually doing pretty good. I, I dropped a few pounds and stuff, so I'm good. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, because I know you're pretty fit, man, so I know you got to stay on point. You know what I mean? We don't want you over there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, that's right. Hey, hey, Raheem, I always want to ask you this. I want to get this out the way since I just played that song. I always want to ask ask um, you guys, uh, uh, um, how did you feel about that song, um, you know, New York Classic, but uh, when, when Snoop and them uh, re- remade it? Uh, uh, how did you guys feel about that song? Well, I can't speak for anyone else in the group. Personally, I didn't feel any kind of way. I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought it was their rendition of, of you know, uh, not even not even their rendition of our song. Um, they got, you know, obviously the idea, you know, for the hook from our song. But but other right. than that, um, it wasn't really our song. Um, so I, I didn't feel any kind of way, I, you know. I, I saluted right. it, you know, it was cool. No no big right, deal. Right, right. Yep. Right. I know it, it caused a lot of controversy but, but they claim that even before the controversy, um, it was really just meant to be a, a salute to you all, you know what I mean? And a kinda of like a right. remake and a salute to New York, New York, but after some incidents happened it kinda of went a different direction. So but they claim the originally right. was just a you know, a, a a nod to you know, to the original song. You know. Got it. Okay, well, yeah, that's cool too. Opinion. I mean, I, e- either way, uh, I was all right with it, you know. Right, right. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. We got Raheem in the building tonight. Um, uh, uh, definitely one of the, the the founders. I don't want to just say the, you know, I don't know if I worded correctly, but you guys definitely set off um, the blueprint from what would be um, hip hop as we know it today, man. I was just even going back, just getting some of the the. Uh, songs together for the show and it's just like man i remember all these classics but it just reminded me how much that you guys just again set the blueprint like even all of the the songs you guys did were pretty much the blueprint of what was going on at that time like because people didn't really know i guess the sound or direction they wanted to go with hip-hop so people just mimic even speaking on snoop and them 20 years later doing the new york new york but even at that time in the early eighties and stuff like that, when hip hop was getting going, everybody just pretty much mimicked your style. Like all the beats, all the classics we know people remade were, were from you all pretty much well, in a sense. Well, the the reason, Jonathan crew got their sound. So many sounds just came from you all. Go ahead. Well, well, the reason for that is because, um, people don't really know this, but, uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Fives, and uh, the Funky Four, which I was a member of as well, uh, we battled Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four May 11th, 1979 at the Webster Avenue PAL in the Bronx. And Grandmaster mm-hmm. Flash and the Furious Four won the battle. But uh, a few days later, Melly Mel, and uh, at the time his name was Mr. Ness, and then he changed it to Scorpio, they came to my mom's house and asked me to join their group. And so that's how I became a member of their group and then they changed we changed the name to the furious five and grandmaster flash Mm. so um but people don't know that basically the funky four and grandmaster flash and the furious four were the first two rap groups period there were no rap groups before that right period there were no rap groups before that unless you want to go back to the last poet Right, right, right. That's it. Right. All right. That's it. Wow. Yep. Wow. So you are the founders. <laughs> Just put it. Pre- I didn't right. know if I was wording it. Right. I didn't oh, want to oh, slide oh, anybody, but that was correct. As we know it today. Yes. 
wow. of of, of wow. rap music as we know it today. But now, as far as the founder of the the father of hip hop, that's DJ Cool Herc. Okay, so you do give it to Herc too, because you know it's some misconceptions on that as well. But you you yourself give it to Herc. Oh, absolutely, hands down. Even Grandmaster Flash gives it to Cool Herc. But okay. in my humble opinion, because I I have witnessed both of um both of them uh i witnessed i went to a cool herc party in 1976 uh at the mm-hmm. webster avenue pal and um you know cool herc was a, a a giant of a figure uh in the bronx at the time uh among dj's uh because he was the top dj and right. you know at the time it was about um you know how powerful your sound system was and 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 your playlist um mm-hmm. and this was before flash you know before flash came into prominence before flash right. got, began getting recognition and so um the way that herc played records was he just placed the arm of the needle on on the record and let the record play and the record would play from beginning to end uh, oftentimes. And sometimes uh, when Herc was engaged doing something else while the record was playing, sometimes it even got to uh, the end of the record and you heard the white noise. You know, it, mm-hmm. it was brief, but <laughs> but you heard it, you know. Right. So um, whereas Flash, um, he is the reason why MCs such as myself, Melly Mel, Grandmaster Kaz, uh, uh, Kumo D, Big Daddy Kane, Jay-Z, you name it. He's the reason why MCs say long-form rhymes. Mm. Because prior to that, um, the breakbeats that we, that we would have, that we wanted to rhyme to, they were too short. The segments of the breaks were too short, like they lasted maybe, you know, 20, 20, 30 seconds. So you can't spit 16 bars off a 20, 30 seconds, you know, long beat. So it had to be extended. So right. Flash created his technique called the backspin or the clock theory um, that extended the break. And so that's how MCs began uh, saying long form rhyme. In in my era, mm. now now right. there are MCs. Um, we didn't they didn't call themselves MCs, but when I look at them on YouTube, um, rap rap has gone. It goes as far back as like the 1930s and 40s. So wow, um, yeah, like like gospel. There were gospel groups, <clears throat> black gospel groups, uh, doing rap <clears throat> at that time. Um, it wasn't, you know, it obviously wasn't the same, um, uh, not in the same cadences that we rap today, um, mm-hmm. more similar to the cadences that we rapped uh, in the 70s, uh, you know, more mm-hmm. simplistic, um, more, you know, uh, like straight up 4-4 um, as far right. as the rhythm was concerned, so... Um, you know, people don't people don't know that. They don't attribute that to 
you know, to the people who are actually responsible for that. But I'm writing a book, and hopefully, um, you know, the awareness of that and other things that, you know, uh, me and my contemporaries uh, brought to the forefront of of uh, hip-hop culture and rap music will be, you know, known to more people. Right. Um, that would, I guess, explain also, too, why... Um, because even I was like, again, going through some of the records today, I was like, wow, I noticed all of the songs are like real long, you know, back, back, especially you guys, like eight minutes, at least seven, eight minutes. Exactly. And, and I guess that's, that's why right. <laughs> that makes sense uh-huh. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. and, and, you know, the fact that we, um, you know, we started in the parks for free. Right. And then when we built up a, a big enough following in the parks, uh, when it got cold outside, we rented the clubs and we charged, you know, three, five dollars uh, for people to get in. And, you know, because we built up the following in the summertime outside for free, people felt comfortable enough to pay their three, five dollars to come see us at the club. Um, right. And so after uh, uh, the rap scene became. Uh, I guess at the peak of its popularity uh, in the late seventies um, uh, record industry uh, uh, executives started hanging out at hip hop jams and then they mm-hmm. began approaching, you know, different rap artists to see if, you know, they were interested in making a record. Um, mm-hmm. So the first generation of rap artists, um, don't really have a catalog of of successful hit records because of the fact that um, we had to understand the transition of of going from the parks for free to becoming songwriters. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean, songwriters, producers, and that sort of thing. So that transition, it you know, some, for some people, it, you know, it was better than others. But right. uh, the majority of the first generation of you know, as far as the people that uh, are regarded as pioneers, a lot of the pioneers of rap music didn't enjoy the success of having hit records. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow, yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty deep. Um, Ryan, could you could you tell us? Because um, speaking about the Bronx, the home of hip hop, you know, uh, the, just just the foundation of everything, you know, we call hip hop and all these legends that you're naming, and you know, everything just seems, you know, pretty much to come from the Bronx when we're talking about hip hop. And recently, you know, we got the the, the hip hop museum and all of that, and, and going on. And also, I want to congratulate you on, um, I heard you guys are receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award for the Grammys this year. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, January 31st, 2021. Well, wow. thank you. Wow. That's big. That's big, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Um, I wanted to ask you, could you tell us, man, something? I mean, we've heard so many stories, and I'm sure you've been asked so many times about the Bronx and the home of hip-hop, but... If you mm-hmm. if you could tell us something, our listeners about the Bronx, you know that maybe we we have not heard about or something special about your home, about your your uh, your borough, man. That just 
maybe people don't know or get the misconception or just has not been put out there that you really are proud of that people don't know about the Bronx? That's something we don't know already. Something heard that you story, don't know so. already. Well, I'm sure we heard I mean, a lot. I mean, I mean, I, I really don't know what, you know, I don't know what you heard, so I wouldn't know what story to tell you that you haven't heard already. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but, but as far as <clears throat> um, uh, what what I can tell you about the Bronx and and the reason why why uh, people from the Bronx regard the Bronx as the birthplace of hip hop is because um, okay, so Cool Herc, uh, we regard him as the father of hip hop. And the reason why is because he was the first DJ to put together the playlist that we called the breakbeats, right? So okay. he, put, okay. he, put, he put those obscure records together, and he played them at his parties. And when he played them at his parties, all of the dudes, all of the people who danced, they got up and danced to the records that he played. So his parties became popular. And um, uh, only in the Bronx, he he did this exclusively in the Bronx. And so um, at first, um, before, before it became like a movement, you know, he did, you know, parties at these small little community centers or whatever. And then, you know, as he grew in popularity and he needed more space, you know, the places that he played at grew bigger or whatever. And so um, the playlist that Herc chose, um, the reason why it was exclusively a Bronx thing is because at the time, Herc, he didn't allow the, like, not allow. He he um, would soak his records in the tub to take the labels off so that oh. other DJs didn't know what records he was playing. Wow. So as a result of that, um, the only wow. way that you knew the records that he was playing is if you knew the artist and you were already familiar with those records or if you just happened to uh, follow him one day while he was going record shopping. Right. Unbeknownst to him, which right. I heard quite a few DJs say that they did. <laughs> so they, they, found, they, they her, found the record shop. <laughs> They found the record shop that he shopped at, and they waited for him to leave, and they went in there, and they shopped there, too. So, mm. And and they, they paid the guy who worked there, his name was Elroy, to give them the same records that Herc had. And so that's how other DJs got those records. But those DJs were exclusively DJs from the Bronx. Right. So... <clears throat> Because the Harlem DJs, the Queens DJs, 
and the Brooklyn DJs, they were playing disco music. And a lot mm-hmm. of the Bronx DJs, matter of fact, even even the hip-hop DJs in the Bronx played disco music too because some of the breakbeats were disco. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but the difference between a Cool Herc party and a DJ Hollywood party was you had to wear slacks, button-down shirt, and hard-bottom shoes to get in a DJ Hollywood party, whereas you wore jeans and sneakers, you know, and, and a sweatshirt to get in a Cool Herc party, and it was in a gym. Right. You okay. know, Hollywood's, Hollywood's party was in a club and had a bar, and you had to show ID to get in. And we was too young to get in Hollywood's parties. So they was like okay. our older brothers, and they, like, shunned us, you know, the mm-hmm. disco movement. You know, we got mad respect for them and mad love, but they didn't want nothing to do with hip-hop hmm. at that time. Wow. Until, until they saw us generating a lot of money from our parties. Then, then they mm-hmm. wanted to uh, collaborate and do, do parties together. Mm. Yep. Mm. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. That's deep. Yep, um, yep, yep. I got a question. I got a question. Sure. Uh, but two questions. I would ask you first. How was uh Herc able to uh you said soak his records in the in the tub without messing up the records? How did he do that? Well, well, you don't you don't have to. I mean, if you get the record wet, as long as you dry it mm-hmm. off, you know, ain't nothing gonna happen to it. You know, it's still going okay, to play that's, after that. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the dynamics of vinyl, huh? Vinyl was, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just water. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's pretty dope. Yeah. And, and my second yeah. question was, I was going to ask that anyway. You kind of spoke on it. The other DJs, like, I wanted to ask you at that time, being that the Bronx was the home of hip-hop, and you guys probably did everything in the Bronx. I want to ask you what was going on outside the other boroughs at that time, if you knew the movements yeah, going sure. on out in like, the, like the other said. boroughs. Yeah, sure. Like I said, um, the the other boroughs were into disco music. So, um, and and we played in other boroughs. You know, um, when when I was down with uh, the Funky Four, uh, we mm-hmm. traveled to other boroughs to play. And when uh, when I was down with Flash and them, we played in other boroughs. And every time we played in, you know, Queens or uh, Brooklyn. Uh, before, like, like before, uh, uh, I would say hip hop or rap music was completely embraced by the music industry. Um, the the DJs from Brooklyn and Queens, their their favorite, you know, excuse me, the MCs from Brooklyn and Queens, their favorite song uh, to rap to was by this uh by this group called MFSB Love is the Message. That's a disco song. Right, right. You know, right. If you were yep. if you were from the Bronx, if you were from the Bronx, your favorite jam to rap to was probably, you know, Bob James one or 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 the Mardi Gras or Seven Minutes of Funk by the whole Don family or or Brick House by the Commodores or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a breakbeat. Right. You know, so so um that was the difference between us. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's deep cuz you know people even me wanted to know back then how were 
the boroughs separate and, and being that the Bronx really set everything off, how were the other boroughs? I'm sure they were they get it laid over. They doing other things, or did they all kind of you know? And then I'm yeah, sure it was, yeah. it was uh, competition as well. So nobody wanted to act like they were, were were getting their thing from the Bronx, and you know. But I'm sure they were. Right. Well. Well. Initially, you know, like I said, there was a resistance because you know um, all of the all of the DJs, you know, outside of the Bronx, um, uh, who were who were you know popular um in in their own regard in disco music um they didn't want to collaborate and do any parties with us um Mm -hmm. because uh they they shunned us like they um they spoke condescendingly of b-boys they called them floor sweepers and you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that because you know obviously we didn't dress the same way that they did to go to our parties that they did to go to their parties. You know what I mean? Right, right, Um, right, right. You know, uh, for, for us, you know, uh, slacks and button down shirts and hard bottom shoes was our church clothes or our school clothes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. So we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait to get out of those clothes when we got home, uh, and change into our sneakers and and our jeans. Um, but they were just the opposite because they were older. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say um, on top of that, that that kind of really what happened in hip hop later. If you fast forward, maybe a few years, five, six, seven years later, what happened in hip hop? Because I know a lot of the elders or the founders of hip hop had a certain style, like you just said, uh, how everybody else was. I guess you kind of say Hollywood compared to the Bronx, and they probably looked down on you guys. I don't know, whatever. They were more Hollywood, as we would say. Um, but this is kind of what happened in hip hop later, as as many of the elders in hip hop had a had a certain style and dress and everything how they presented themselves, kind of like oh, how absolutely. the disco groups were. And then and then you got right. Run DMC and them of people who come with 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 just the neighborhood look, you know, with the with the with the <coughs> jeans, the fat laces, the 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 Adidas or Pumas or Lees, exactly, and changed the game. And, and so let me let me explain. So. Okay. <clears throat> Um, we dressed off stage the way that Run DMC and those guys dressed on stage, right? Okay. Uh, in okay. the Bronx. Okay. Um, okay. And and the reason why we didn't dress like that on stage was because we toyed with big, you know, major superstar R&B artists like Rick James. Uh, and the Stone City Band, Rick James and the Ma- Mary Jane Girls, um, uh, the Barkays, Confunction, uh, the Commodores when Lionel Richie was still a member, um, Carl Carlton, the Fatback Band, uh, New Edition uh, when they when they uh, first came out. Um, right. <clears throat> so, as a result of touring with all of these. Um, uh, uh, superstar and legendary R&B acts. Oh, Cameo, um, um, Switch. Um, you know, as a result of touring with all of these artists, we learned how to be entertainers. Right. And so, in become in learning how to be entertainers, one of the things that we also learned was since we're on stage <clears throat> that 
um, if we wear our street clothes on stage, how does that make us different? How does that separate us from the audience? We want to come across right, like right. superheroes. We want to come across like superheroes right. to the audience. So to us, to wear the same thing as the audience, that would defeat that purpose. So to us, mm-hmm. we, we needed to wear costumes. So we wore mm-hmm. costumes on stage as opposed to wearing our street clothes because we were we were learning to be entertainers. We we watched mm-hmm. you know all of these legendary R and B acts and you know um, they didn't wear their street clothes on stage. They wore costumes. So we wore costumes. Mm-hmm. You know right um, right. Now now I'll tell you <clears throat> uh, as a result of. Uh, coming from that school of of learning uh, how to be an entertainer, it's very difficult for me to sit through um, the average uh, rap artist's concert today, and that's no disrespect <laughs> to that's that's no disrespect to their music. All right, their, Speak on their it. music. Speak on it. You know the the success of their music is one thing. You know how many right. people love their music. That's that's great. But actually going to a concert and being entertained by them, that's something completely different. And so many of the rap artists um, uh, for a long time, uh, from from the 90s to now, have not learned how to be entertainers. And so Mm -hmm. it's very difficult for me to go to a concert and sit through it, a rap concert, and sit through it because I'm absolutely not entertained. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I could I could yeah. stay home and listen to their records, and I'll be, you know, and I'll be fine. Right. You know, going to their concert—that's a whole nother thing. Like, right? Did, did could you could you say yes, maybe like over time? Pe- I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Queen. I was going to say, like you were saying, the, the difference in like the dressing, because with the the rap artists now and the audience that they get, they come dressed just like the rappers. It's not trying to outdress them. So that's a good right, point. but I, you know, and and you know, that's fine that they that they wanted to you know uh, uh, be more relatable to the audience and and you know dress you know like the audience. That's fine, um, but standard of entertainment, the the, the level of entertainment, the bar has been lowered as far as, yeah. you know, of uh, how they entertain you. Like, you know, when you go to the average rap concert, are you act, are you really entertained or are you just, you know, are you just happy to be out? You know what I mean? Generation. Yeah, I think, um, I think and, they've and gotten I'm not, spoiled. And, and I'm they've not trying to disrespect anybody. I'm sorry? I think, I think they've gotten spoiled over the years. Just like you said, some of them are just – probably just happy to just go up there and, and be able just to see their favorite rapper. They don't care how they yeah, perform. Exactly. Like, you know, it's kind of different now. You know, I guess. Right. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Right it's, now. It's yeah, you know, it's the, de- the, definitely different. The expectations have been severely, you know, uh, lessened. So you don't really expect a whole lot from, you know, from your – from your favorite rap artists when you go see them perform, you just, you know, if they walk back and back and forth on stage or if they stand in one, if they stand in one spot on the stage, it don't matter to you. You know, it don't matter that 
it don't matter that they don't dance. It don't matter, you know, you know what I mean? It don't matter that they got, you know, uh, a hundred of their homeboys on stage and uh, uh, like, like 40 of them got a microphone. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. You know, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you do it, you do it how you do it and, and whatever works for you, you know, as far as, you know, you being the artist, you know, and, and how you get your money. I'm not knocking how you get your money, but I think that um, if you make the decision to become an entertainer, you should make it your business to learn how to be an entertainer. Right, right. And and, and again, I just think it's been lost over the years. I think the yeah. artists, I think that the, the fans have been spoiled and the artists have definitely been spoiled to where they don't feel they have to do anything now, especially these artists have gotten right. real spoiled, and especially if you fast forward to today's generation. Like, I don't even know myself. It's just so I can't even, it's just so different now. And it's just like, um, you, you would just be surprised at what's really going on out here. And, and, and just, and, and like you said, no slight to the artists because they're definitely getting a lot of money these days. But yeah, if you sure. flip it and see how they're getting it, it's like, wow, because they don't, the, the the music is, right. is no disrespect. The music is more watered down, whacker. The artists aren't that great, you know. And they don't have to be anymore, and they're just. And I guess the fans well, that, don't expect that was, that was the intention. I don't know. Um, as far as as far as you know, um, you know the 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 standard uh, that we used to hold ourselves to as as artists um, that's been lowered intentionally um, because the listening audience has been dumbed down intentionally uh, because they don't want people to, they don't want thinking people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They don't, they don't want thinking people. That's the last thing they want. Um, And, and, you know, uh, if you notice, like if you were paying attention, uh, public enemy uh, made the song fight the power. In 1989. Mm-hmm. Oh, 89. Okay. 1989. Yes. Um, and so they made uh, Fight the Power in 1989. And in 1990, Gangsta Rap came out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a company called Corrections Corporations of America. They're the largest mm-hmm. independent facilitator of private penitentiaries in this country and they made a deal with 48 states in this country to have a privately owned penitentiary erected in that respective state based on the condition that that state could maintain a 90% incarceration rate so Mm. if every day of your young impressionable life all you hear from your favorite rap artist who's probably in your ear more hours a day than your parent or your teacher um, because of, you know, today's technology. You got the earbuds and what have you. Right. Um, so you're walking around all day listening to your favorite rap artists, and they're telling you through their music, um, which you're listening to repetitively, um, that the blueprint to their success was to stand on the corner and sling dope, crack, uh, molly, percocets, whatever, 
Um, and so that's called the power of suggestion. Okay. Mm. And the power of suggestion is very subtle, but it's profoundly powerful. And our government is very well aware how powerful the power of suggestion is because they have that's the, the power of suggestion is what uh, uh, advertising agencies pay billions of dollars uh, in order to uh, influence the public to buy their products. So, mm. uh, and the government plays strict regulations against tobacco manufacturers, prohibiting them from advertising the sale of tobacco in any advertising medium because they know full well that there's a, a segment, a percentage of the population that smokes cigarettes. But if they were to advertise it, a much larger percentage of the population would smoke cigarettes. So the same right. thing goes for rap music. If every day of your young impressionable life you're hearing, you know, um, you know, I f hoes, you know, I f b, I, I f, you know, uh, uh, bees, I kill niggas, I, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, the most influenced percentage of the population that listens to that become that. So that's right. the power of suggestion. That's how it works. So that's the reason why why rap music is the way that it is, because the people who control it, they're controlling it for the purpose of what I just finished explaining. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Great breakdown, Ryan. Break, mm-hmm. uh, incredible breakdown on that, because um, that's mm-hmm. very true. And 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 mm-hmm. really, what's going on um, right now? And it's just wow. Um, um, with that being said, let me ask you this, um, Raheem. Um, being that you come from the beginning of everything, I want to ask you this: uh, the shift of what's happened with uh, as far as the the labels. And I want to ask you that because first, I want to ask you about um, you know your experience being with one of the first hip hop labels, I guess you could say, which was uh, Sugar Hill Records. Um, and what you guys did over there and then later what other people did and just that pretty much being the blueprint as well for hip hop labels. And then, um, and just your experience there and, and, and what you went through during that time and with the label and the whole label experience. But then I want to ask you a second part, fast forward to where we are today again with, uh, not only the new artists, but what has going on, what, what has went on with the, as far as the label situation where a lot of labels are pretty much obsolete and everything is independent and now you have pretty much everything digital where, you know, it's pretty much free for all, you know. So, like I said, I want to ask your experience first with starting off with a label, one of the first hip-hop labels, and and um, how you feel about where things are at now where labels are pretty much obsolete. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, labels, I, I think that they, you know, consciously and deliberately phase labels out because, um, the people who own the labels, they already, you know, billionaires. Um, so right, they, they got their now. money. Right. Right. They got their money. And so it was the artists who suffered as a result of, you know, the labels being dissolved or whatever, um, defunct. And so, um, but, um, and, and also, as a result of the implementation of 
uh, new technology, uh, like when they change the format that we receive our audio entertainment, uh, when they changed it from, you know, uh, analog to digital, um, <clears throat> one, um, that that lowered the hertz. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, no, it didn't lower the hertz. It, it raised the hertz, but uh, the frequency, uh, digital frequency, it's not... Um, Okay, so there, so so there's certain frequencies. Everything everything works based on vibration, and there's certain frequencies that are uh, that are harmful, and there are there are certain frequencies that are uh, healthy for for uh, human uh, vibration, and so. The way that they change the um, the format of how we receive our entertainment, it helped to dumb down the listener by the frequency, um, and also it devalued um, uh, the 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 tangibility of of the way that we. Um, that we serve the public the uh the music that they want to hear like like you know they used to walk out of uh, a record store with something tangible you know a record a cd um but once that changed it devalued um the music it devalued the intellectual value of the music because there's no longer something tangible um, it's digital now, so uh, it's very easily pirated. Um, you know, you could go online if somebody, you know, if you if you have the link to where someone's file is, you can get it, and then now you have it. You can you can duplicate it as many times as you want. So mm. that that wow. drastically devalued. Um, uh, you know the value of our music, and right. so. Um, but the the great thing about the advancement of technology uh, was that it it enabled uh, you know the average Joe. Um, you know it doesn't matter where they're from if they have Wi-Fi. And they have a camera phone, um, and they have a song that sounds like something, and they make a video to it um, that's you know that's uh, that's compelling you know to viewers. They win. They, that's it. Uh, they blow up. They win overnight. <laughs> overnight. Overnight. Instantly. They got a million views. Yeah. It, like a lot of. Yeah, and so that that's a beautiful thing because, um, you know that has enabled many more uh, artists who probably wouldn't have gotten the opportunity right. to get signed, you know, to a right. label that 
that actually had uh, the money, um, the the machine behind them to actually, you know, promote and market the artist successfully enough for the artist to actually be successful. Right, right, right. So, that is very so true. That's a good, very that's, true. That's a good thing, you know. Um, and and I'm I'm hoping, you know, that that uh, you know more more established artists um, decide to to break away from you know their labels and you know their established labels and and go independent um, or or come together and put some kind of you know major distribution network in place for us you know because at the end of the day we are all we got that part um and also sir you, you didn't uh what did you um i want to get your take on not only that part but coming into the game and ha- having a being on a label and what was that like not only being on a label but being on one of the first because everything was I guess a first for everybody at that time in the trial and error, not only for you all, but right. for the labels, because you were like on the first hip hop label in Sugar Hill and you guys pretty much made them and they went on to do many things with other artists as well. But how was that experience with you? Would you say, cause we heard a lot of different stories about Sugar Hill, but what would you say your experience was um, um, with that label at that time coming into the game? Well, at first, you know, um, initially when we when we first signed, you know, it was it was like being married. You know, it was the honeymoon stage, and right. um, you know everything was cool, and you know everything was nicey nice. And you know we go to, you know, the Robinsons Mansion. They invite us over, and we we go swimming in their pool. They invite a bunch of girls over. We hang out. You know, everything was cool, um, but. What happened was well, two things happened. Um, uh, well, no, three things. Um, one, one thing, the first thing that happened that should have never happened was she kind of, um, or not kind of, she phased Flash out of, of like producing, um, and the first I say. The first, let me see, Freedom, uh, It's Nasty, um, Freedom, It's Nasty, Flash to the Beat. Uh, I think the first three songs that we recorded were um, as a result of uh, Flash cutting the, the original versions of those songs up at our jams before we got signed and and the, the the lyrics that we had to freedom to it's nasty and flash to the beat we had those lyrics you know before we got signed to any label and we didn't we didn't call them songs when we weren't signed to a label we called them our routines so right. uh when we got signed we used the same routines uh as the lyrics for our songs but as far as the music goes flash put that music together but sylvia robinson took the credit for it so but Mm -hmm. 
we couldn't we couldn't really protest that that loudly about it because you know otherwise you know she'd have debted us because you know in in the very beginning right so um so we we went along with it and that kind of you know phased flash out of being our producer um even mm-hmm. though he was you know he was pretty much our our band or our our orchestra when we played live cuz the Sugar Hill Gang they used the band we just had flash um right so um so and then when we first started going to Sugar Hill Records to uh to record you know our first couple of songs um none of us had any cars or anything so uh she would tell us to take cabs uh like we would take two or three cabs and uh take them from the Bronx to uh Inglewood New Jersey uh to where mm-hmm. the, where the studio was and mm-hmm. so we would take cabs from the Bronx there um so they were Bronx cabs but going mm-hmm. back to the Bronx from Inglewood we would always take Inglewood car service um uh cabs and whenever we would take Inglewood car service cabs back to the Bronx from Sugar Hill Records uh studios every single cab driver would say to us yo man y'all shouldn't mess with them robinsons man uh mm. uh every, every single artist that that worked with them uh get ripped off y'all shouldn't work with them Every single wow. cab driver. Yep. yep. Wow, the cab drivers knew. <laughs> the cab <laughs> driver, cab <laughs> drivers. Yep. Wow. Yeah. We heard that from mm. other guests on our show. Exactly. We yep. have Queen. That's why I, I asked him about it. We've heard that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Different stories, you know. Wow. Yeah. And and you know uh, to update y'all, uh, now Sylvia Robinson is deceased. Her yes, husband, yes, Joe Rob, right. Her husband Joe Robinson is deceased. Her son Joey Robinson is deceased. Her son uh, Rondo or Scoochie Robinson is deceased. She has one mm-hmm. remaining son, Leland Robinson. Mm-hmm. We are still in litigation with Leland Robinson. Wow. Wow. We we've heard that a lot as well, huh, Queen? We've heard several people say yes. they have ongoing lawsuits uh with w- with the estate trying to get their money. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um as a matter of fact, uh uh I don't know, this was maybe about 2 years ago. Um I was living in Atlanta uh for a very short time and um I get I get a phone call from one of my homeboys, and he was like, "Yo, um, I got uh, Leland Robinson on the other line, and he wants to talk to you." And I'm he's like, um, "Is it all right if I if if I click over and you know put him on the call with us?" So I'm like, "All right, cool." So he gets on the phone, and uh, you know we we exchange pleasantries for a second. And uh, he's like, um, yo, um, um, so how much, how much do you think uh, we owe you? 
and I was like, um, I don't know, you know, I, I would, I would have to look at some kind of an accounting or something in order to determine that, and and you know, like, I I can't I can't tell you that off the top of my head. Um, I said my lawyer could probably tell you better. And uh, he was like, well, you know, I'm trying to, that's why I'm calling you. I'm trying to deal with you directly and not deal with your lawyers. So how much would it take for, you know, this to go away? So I so said, well. Hush money. Right. So I said, well, actually, um, I think my lawyers, uh, uh, this was this was maybe about oh, maybe about two weeks before we were supposed to be in court for, for right. the very same conversation we were about to have. So I said, I think uh, my lawyers um, reached out to your lawyers and uh, made you some kind of, you know, offer, offered you some kind of deal um, for y'all to take. And if y'all took it, I think that, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because my lawyer would have told me that they accepted our offer and then I'd know how much money you're going to be paying me. But you're trying to go around that because you want to pay me less than what my lawyer is asking for, and we're not doing that. So i see you in court. Hmm. So he um he shows up in court two weeks later and we see each other. You know, I ain't mad or nothing. I'm cool. Um, I am mad but but I'm not I'm not allowing my emotions to make me do anything stupid because I know where he lives right. and all that. Right. Um so anyway, um so I see him in court. And you know, uh, we we speak to each other, and then uh, the court uh, the court uh, presides or whatever, and then um, he tells the judge that he has a recording of a phone conversation between he and I, and that I was open. To hearing, uh, to hearing uh, uh, an offer from him for uh, a settlement or whatever, and that you know th- that this is supposed to be evidence of, of us being able to work something out, you know, out of the jurisdiction of the court. But mm-hmm. um, prior to this hearing, the previous hearing, uh, the same judge told him not to, under any circumstances, contact any of the plaintiffs in the case. Mm -hmm. So when he produced... So he already played himself. Right. When he produced his tape in court, he, (laughs) he shot himself in the foot. You know, right, and so, so the judge said that uh, the next hearing was going to be uh, uh, his contempt hearing because she was going to hold him in contempt. Yep. Wow. 
Yep. So we're waiting to hear uh, so, what's 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 going on. So how do we? You know what happens next? How is this? But how does this still like like where is this like uh we, we have to wait so long like not only you other artists have no, heard as well why is this type we've of getting royalties and stuff okay 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 yeah we're we're getting okay. royalties now um but we're just not okay. getting all all of our royalties because what they do is you know the royalties are perpetual as a result of you know I mean the music is still being played it's still being mm-hmm. played. And then other artists. And you guys are sampled. Not only your music you know, sampled, right. yeah. you know, it's 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 used in different films. You know, uh, Happy Feet, uh, doggone, uh, uh, a few Spike Lee movies. I mean, right. I can't even tell you all of the usages. And so there's, um, the usages are perpetual um, because these these programs that are using the music, are continuously being played, and then there's new usages. And so the judge told Leland, um, for every undiscovered license agreement that he made and didn't disclose, um, um, excuse me, for every undisclosed licensing agreement that they discover, my, my attorneys discover, um they were gonna get fined uh five thousand dollars and they found over three hundred. Wow. You you would think yeah. you would think um after so long e- even being that, that Lenin is the only surviving um he just member right. of the family that he would just want to do right at this point. Like what is he exactly. trying to continue? I don't know, maybe right. it just he just wants to get, you know, wants to carry it out, or he was taught that. But you would think at this point he would just want to do right. You know, right. It, it really doesn't make sense. No, in that really, sense, really, I don't understand it. It really does. Wow. You know, but I mean, he is a Robinson, and that's what they did. You know, every last one. Joey was the same way. He, you know, after his mom, after his parents passed away, he inherited the business. And he was just very, very, very shiesty. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, um, on a side note, um, from the business and turmoils and all that, I want to ask you, man, um, not only, uh, again, congratulations on the Grammy nod, and which is well overdue, well overdue. But I want to ask you, on top of that, I mean, how does it feel to, um, I mean, not only be a part of a legendary group, Groundbreaking, set the blueprint for hip hop, but I'm, I'm sure people overlook what, what what the real people from the eras know. But I'm sure the younger people and people just now just don't understand how much um, the Furious Five meant. I mean, all of your songs really were like I just spoke about you guys' group being the, the blueprint and soundtrack for hip hop. But a lot of your songs were pretty much the soundtrack for what hip hop will become like the, 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 the basis, just like you said, gangster rap started in 90. Well, gangster mm-hmm. rap first, which was reality rap was really just based on somewhat. It got out of hand, obviously, but it was kind of based right. on something like the message speaking, just real rap and what's right. going on in the hood right. and the right. ghetto and speaking about giving it to you real. Right. 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 So I agree. I want to ask you, how does it feel to, to, to be like a lot of your songs? Like I just played New York, New York, I'm nasty. Like all of these songs were blueprints, really, for what hip hop was to become. Because you guys were really not only 
That's why I'm sure Melly Mel gets a lot of credit from a lot of people, but you guys were groundbreaking of just kind of creating reality rap. I don't know if you even knew it, that's what it was then, but you guys were the soundtrack to not only hip-hop, but the soundtrack to what hip-hop would, would become as far as reality rapping and just like like what people say real rap and keeping it hood and, you know, all of these things. Right. That's what you guys did from the jump. And a lot of your right. songs speak on that white line, speaking about drug, like it went over a lot of people's head then, but white lines. You're speaking right. about cocaine, the cocaine epidemic. It's like so many mm-hmm. of your songs were groundbreaking and soundtracks to what was going on in the streets. Did you guys know that at the time? And how do you feel later on knowing that that's what it, what it did for hip hop? Well, you know, at the time, I mean, uh, when we recorded uh, the message, uh, initially we didn't know, you know, um, we, we learned, you know, very shortly uh, even after, the video after had the police you know, up. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Even the video, crazy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, initially we didn't know, but then you know we we found we realized really shortly after the release of the message um, that you know we we had we had a major uh, a major hit. And um, I knew how big the message was when uh, we had went to this um, we went to this club uh, in Manhattan, in Midtown Manhattan, uh, called the Savoy, <clears throat> and we went there for um, for a um, it was called the Urban Contemporary Awards, and so you know we went there, you know not not knowing, you know, who was going to be there or whatever. And so when we get in there, it's like a star-studded event. And, uh, like, Quincy Jones and Luther Vandross and people like that was up in there. And so um, uh, so we're in there, you know, walking, like kind of just perusing, you know, uh, you know, networking, meeting people and stuff. And then all of a sudden, Quincy Jones and Luther Vandross come over to me and was like, yo, can we can we take a picture with you? And I'm like, can you take a picture with me? What? You got to be kidding me, man. Get out of here. <laughs> can I take a wow. picture with you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that's so, that's crazy. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it, it it was crazy, man. That that was a that was a magical magical time. Um, uh, you know, I I mean, I can't even tell you uh, the feeling that I got. You know, meeting some of my favorite you know, uh, artists who appreciated our music the way that I appreciated theirs. That, that like, that meant everything. Right, you right, know, right. Like, like Rick, and, um, Rick James is like oh, my big brother. Like, every, every time right. he came to New York, like, he called me. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Shout out to Rick James, right. man, the funk doc. Yeah, rest the in funk peace, doc. Yeah. Hey, did yeah. you guys know? Um, one more question. I, I think Queen. I guess Queen. I'm gonna let Queen get in. Uh, definitely. Um, 
want to ask you one more question regarding the message and and the success that you guys were garnered were were, were bringing in at that time. You speak about Manhattan and I'm sure other boroughs and New Jersey, but um, when you started really touring and getting outside of the tri-state and and different uh, states and all this, did you did did you realize uh, then as well the impact you guys were having because the message man just just impacted right. everybody at an early time. That was right. just, like I said, again, the soundtrack everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we got, you know, the message took us, um, you know, around the world. And so right. like, like, uh, one time we did a show in doggone Helsinki, Finland. I, mm. We in Helsinki, Finland. And, you know everybody your way. Mm. And so uh we on stage and you know, we we killed it. And after the show, like the entire audience stayed because they wanted to buy us beer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yo, it's it's a tremendous tremendously magical feeling to go to a foreign country in which English is not the primary language, but they know every word to your song or every word right. to all of your songs. Right. Wow. That's like amazing. Yeah. That's everybody's That's dream, I guess, man. Yeah, Make it and, and really get accepted. You know, when you have your song out and to, to like you said, get to tour the world and, and get really yeah. get accepted that way, man. That's that's beautiful, man. And um, again, I I just want to ask you that because the message, man, is just even to this day. That that that's what I want to say as well. Even to this day, like you could play the message, man, and still get the same feel, man. Um, only difference well, you'll see is if you're looking going, at the video, you'll on. see the yeah, you'll see the difference if you're looking at the video. You know, you you'll see that '70s look. But other than that, just playing the record, you're gonna get that same feel, and it, and it resonates pretty much to today. That's what I'm trying to say. Like that song was the soundtrack to right. what you would have even today with, with like you say, gangster rap, even though it took different phases. I don't know what it is today. Mm-hmm. But it's somewhat yep. street, you know what I mean? And and it goes right. back to that. You no, know, it's just the message. If you play the message it resonates to what is going on today, period, man. The people in the inner cities in the ghettos mm-hmm. and you guys just laid it out there plain and simple. And it was just groundbreaking, man. And then the beat, just Check everything, it. man. That song there has been sampled 20 times and everybody who sampled it had a hit as well so it's just like Check it, it out. it's this incredible is, this is uh this is this is a little piece i'm working on uh i'm gonna just do it acapella for you right quick okay Somebody is top, persecute me for my irrevocable brand. Fire shot, searching through my hood, disposing my fam. Pull up next to me, see, keep it moving, told them I am. Don't shoot, can't breathe, so I showed them my hands. While you practice your policy enforcement tactics on our black kids and mostly male adolescents on the blacklist. Blacklist, slaughtered like catfish. Narcotics, no weapons that we the manufacturers. It's people you displace to in pursuit of happiness, but y'all don't give a issue about us, all y'all capitalists. And any kind of egotistic, invaded country. Every Sunday we so Christian Calling people terrorists and we no different Supposed to be civilized, we so vicious FEMA got them coffins on the side of the road And GA, I guess they really plan to take no prisoners Mm. Mm. I hear you, Raheem (laughs) Yeah Oh, wait Yeah, that was super dope 
Yeah, dope. Mm-hmm. Again, and speaking of what's going on right now, man, real reality. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Queen, Queen, I know you got some questions for Raheem. Let me get the Queen up in here. Well, okay. the questions that I had, he's already touched bases on, but I did want to bring up about the group being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007 as the first mm-hmm. hip-hop group to be inducted. And also yep. uh, the message was one of 50 recordings chosen by the Library of Congress to be added Uh-oh. to the National Recording Registry. And Uh-oh. also Rolling Stone ranked the message number 51 right? on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time in 2004. And now you guys are going up in 2021. That's, that's, that, that says a whole lot. You know, it's a whole lot. So how do you feel about the previous ones before the one coming up now, being inducted and being on the National Recording Registry and for Rolling Stone, you know, out of 500, you guys made number 51. You didn't make number one, but 51 is a big number out of 500. That's a, that's a big number out of 500. <clears throat> um, and, and, yeah. and we'll take it. <laughs> um, right, right. Um, it was it was it was a humbling experience. It was um, you know it was surreal. Like uh, the, I think the thing that started it all was um, being recognized by the uh, National Recording Registry. Uh, I think that was in 2002. Um, and then um, uh, okay, so we got. We were recognized by the, the National Recording Registry in 2002, and we were also honored by VH1 at the Hip Hop Honors in 2002, I believe. Yeah, I think it was 2002. It was a long time ago. I'm getting old. Sorry. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then we were nominated. Um, to get inducted into the Rock Hall, uh, I believe in 2002, first, but we didn't get it. And then um, uh, the next time we got nominated was 2007, and um, <clears throat> I got a call from um, uh, the guy who owned. Uh, Tommy Boy Records. I can't think of his name at the second. Tom Silverman. And uh, he told me that we were going to get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so uh, that was like, that was tremendous to me because when we actually um, put our signatures on like the uh, illuminated wall at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, where all of the inductees sign their names at. Um, like, my name was like inches away from James Brown's. Wow. Like inches. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't understand who James Brown was to me. You know, uh, James Brown. James Brown was my first Michael Jackson. You know. And so, um, you know, when I was a little boy uh, and my mom gave, like, house parties and stuff 
when she got tired of playing the DJ, she would put on James Brown records and like I knew all his dance steps. So I would do, you know, I would entertain everybody at our house and, you know, uh, uh, sing and dance James Brown's music. And so, um, and then, you know, and then, uh, I, I discovered, uh, Michael Jackson. And, and so, and then, um, you know, I grew a, a love and appreciation for him, but, um, so the rock hall, that's like a really, um, a really special place, you know, not just James Brown, obviously, all of the other legendary entertainers uh, who have been inducted, you know. Um, we're we're inches away from Al Green's signature. We're inches away from The Temptations, um, uh, Rod Stewart. Uh, I mean, it's just so, it was overwhelming, you know. Um, and um, and for the people who are who are um, I always get this question, and I know that there's probably people uh, of your listeners who are probably curious to know if uh, a check comes with getting into the rock and roll, getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, it doesn't. Um, uh, so, but. But usually, uh, if you have a good, you know, if you have a smart team uh, behind you, then you can utilize the platform and the accolades of being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to your advantage, especially if you have something to sell around the time that, you know, you're inducted or shortly thereafter, you know, then you're your stock goes up and, you know, everybody should be buying whatever it is that you have to sell because, you know, um, the spotlight is on you at that time. So you have to strike while the iron is hot. Well, I do have more questions, but I know that our time is running out. So what I would like for you to do. I'll come back. I mean, anytime, just, you know, just let me know when, you know, when you want me back, I got you. Okay. Well, let's talk okay. about your daughter. Her name is Deja. Oh, sure. Right? Yes, Deja. Yeah. Let yeah. the people know about her um, as an artist. I happen to run across her. Oh, my God. Page and I my, just think, you know, there's people who don't know about her, and just let's just use our platform right now to put her out there right. as well. Okay. Well, that's that's my little baby. That's, that's my everything. And um, she's immensely talented. Um, she, she sings, she raps, she writes, uh, all of her own lyrics, rap and singing. And, um, she just signed, um, she just signed a single deal, uh, with a company that's distributed through Universal. And so she's going to have her first single released, I believe in January, uh, in a few weeks. Uh, and it's called On My Way. And um, it'll be available on all your streaming platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Yep. I'll make sure that I'll get her music on my um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you can and you can find her on um, <clears throat> on Instagram um, if you uh, look under Deja, uh, uh, Big Deja. Look under Big Deja, D E J A, Big Deja. Um, and she's so tiny. I don't know why she calls herself Big Deja. <laughs> A little so. She's beautiful too. I have a granddaughter named Asia. So yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Also, yep. I wanted to ask you about the uh, um, video nasty. Now, <clears throat> in that video, are those white? What is that around you all? Uh, like on your on your uh, body, <laughs> around your ankle. What what is that? You said looks like a white ring or something. Uh huh. You said in, you know. Funny thing, um, we never actually made a video to It's Nasty. So someone, oh. no, so someone took someone else did our, our uh, a video of us and superimposed the vid- our images over a background. Oh, wow. That's how that video of It's Nasty uh, derived, yep. That's why it's not the good quality then. Because I was like, okay, I kept looking trying to see what was these white, what what did that mean? What was the meaning? Right, yeah, we didn't have any, right, yeah, we didn't have anything to do with that video at all. We just in it. Okay, and then another thing, Christopher Williams. Oh, um, that's my boy. Yeah, Yeah, let's talk about him and your relationship. I'm sorry? Let's talk about Christopher Williams and how you all are affiliated. Oh, okay. The brother so, from the um, bank. Right. Yeah. We um <laughs> we right. We we went to uh we went to uh Harry S. Truman High School together in the Bronx, uh up in Co op City. But before that, um we actually uh used to play together as as little boys. We used to race each other. Uh, in Edenwall Projects uh, up in the North Bronx, uh, not far from Truman High School. And so um, my my mom used to take uh, take us up to Edenwall Projects to uh, my stepdad's house, uh, and he lived in the building across from uh, Christopher Williams' grandmother, uh, Miss Williams. And... Um, uh that's that's how we first met and then we later remet uh in high school and um and so it was me Chris and we had another homeboy uh named Andre Andre Service and Andre's older brother Paul Service uh was the drummer for the R&B group GQ and so the lead mm-hmm. singer of the group GQ, Raheem LeBlanc, is actually where I got my name Raheem from. Um, <clears throat> so we're all kind of connected like that. But um, then um, in high school in, in Truman, I was in like a, a singing group. And uh, Chris would come and sing with us sometimes. And at first, Chris used to like, he would kind of like 
like mimic me and um and I would tell them like yo you shouldn't try to mimic me singing um you should you should try to imitate somebody who's popular or who was popular who's not popular anymore um I said like like you should try to sing like somebody like Teddy Pendergrass because nobody would expect a rough sounding voice like Teddy Pendergrass kind of voice coming out of a pretty boy looking kind of dude like you. <laughs> and he was like, okay, okay. And he took that and ran with it. And he won. Yep. Yes. Christopher Williams and Al B. Shore. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we was we was all hanging out with me, Albie, and Chris. Um uh yeah. They was um me me and Chris uh we actually wrote uh a song that's on um uh the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five album called Dreamin' that I'm singing on. Uh and Chris didn't get oh, right okay. as and Chris didn't get writer's credit for it because, uh, uh, unfortunately, Sylvia Robinson didn't give it to him. Oh, that's Sylvia's name, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Sylvia was a piece of work. Wow. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so. That's pretty cool. But and like also your song, The Message, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like I said, Queen, uh, you know, anytime, you know, you want me to come back on, just uh, give me a heads up when you do it. Okay, you hear that, Timo? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We would love to have you back, sir, because there's so much more we, we have to talk about. We could talk all night to Raheem because, okay. you know, the journey is so long, and it, you have so much history. I mean, we're talking about the, the the beginning of this all, man. The foundations of this all. So yeah, we definitely got to bring you back, sir. Definitely, yeah, man. We, so we thank more. you. So yes, no problem. Yes. Anytime. Yes. Anytime, bro. We thank you, all sir. Right? We just thank you for taking out your time, though. We really do. We appreciate thank the love, man. All right, Raheem. Here's five. Happy holidays, sir. You do Happy the same. Happy holidays to y'all. Stay safe, bro. All right. All Much right. Love. Peace and love, nice. man. Peace. The G. Lou Show. The G. Lou Show. We just did it again. The legendary Raheem, Furious Five. Man, Queen Jean. Hey, this is what we do here, right? They should know by now. This is what we do. <laughs> yes, this is what, what we, we do. do. And, you know, yeah. uh, all our guests have a way of getting in touch with either yourself or myself and letting us know how they really enjoy just having a relaxed time with having a conversation um, right. with us. So, you know, um, we have to be thank- thankful for our guests that we have had in the past and it's been a part of our uh, platform. So it feels good when we get those text messages or yeah. DMs or even uh, letting us know on the YouTube page how they had a great time with us. So right. it warms my heart to get that. Yeah, yes, it does me. Well. Yeah, and look, today is Angie Stone's birthday as well. So you're you're Angie Stone. On a great it's a few Angie birthdays. Stone. I've seen a couple yeah. more out there. I can't remember names, but I've seen a few 
uh, uh, birthdays out there today. A lot of queens, too. Rod Diggers, her birthday. I've seen a few birthdays out there today. So shout out to all the queens and everybody yeah. celebrating a birthday. Angie Stone, happy birthday, of course. My baby girl, Deidre, Alyssa, happy birthday to you. And everybody out there celebrating a birthday. And all them Sagittariuses, man. Them Sagittariuses, oh, we, we are some... We, we yeah, are you some, guys uh, Man, you know, so shout out to all the Sagittarius out there, man. God bless y'all, man. It's the G. Lou Show. Flashback Fridays, Queens, Jane, G. Lou, the legendary Furious Five, Raheem in the building. And uh, let's do it like this, Queen, since we spoke about it. It don't, it don't never get old. No, no, no. <laughs>
go to school Cause the teacher's a jerk He must think I'm a fool And all the kids go reaper I think it'd be cheaper If I just got a job Learn to be a street sweeper I dance to the beat Shuffle my feet Wear a shirt and tie And run with the creeps Cause it's all about money Ain't a damn thing funny You got to have a con In this land of milk and honey They push that girl In front of the train Took her to the doctor So the arm on the game Stabbed that man Right in his heart Gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw. Broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say, you want some more living on a seesaw. Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song, because he hates the places you play and where you stay. Looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, the pimps and pushers, and the big money makers. Driving big cars in the 20s and 10s, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, Burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say, I'm cool, I'm no fool. But then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void. Walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took and you're a make tag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag. Being used in the fuse to serve like hell. To one day, you was found hung dead in the cell. It was plain to see that your life was lost. You was Cold and your body swung back and forth But now your eyes sing the sad, sad song Of how you live so fast and die so young So don't push me Cause I'm close to the edge I'm trying not to lose my head <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes It makes me wonder how I keep them going under <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes It makes me wonder how I keep them going under <laughs> Yo, Mel, you see that girl, man? Yeah, man. Another one, G. Lou Show, Flashback Fridays. Shout out again to our special guest, Raheem, from the fabulous Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Um, we're about to get up out of here. Queen Jean, you want to end it with anything? I'll let you take us out of here. Yeah, just to tell everybody to be safe, um, peace and love, and blessings to your family, and prayers to everybody, especially for the homeless, because it's cold out here, and we're expecting snow tomorrow, so everybody just be safe. Stay prayed up and blessings to you all and your families because it is like a jungle to time. So, yeah, that part. 
that part. I piggyback off of what the queen said. Everybody be safe, stay masked up or stay down. Um, And everybody just uh, give thanks. It's the holiday season. So just be thankful, man, for something. You know, be thankful for whatever you have, small, large, big, medium. You know, it could be much worse. And it's the holidays. Like she said, it's a lot of people homeless, a lot of people without anything right now. So be thankful for anything you have, the small things. Just just be thankful just to be alive, healthy. You know what I mean? People don't even have health. So just be thankful for something, man. Give it up yeah. to your peoples. You know, uh, grab somebody, tell them you love them, man, and spread the love. Don't spread the hate. And we love y'all to next week. Seven All days right. without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K. I said that. G. Lou, Queen G, we out of here. Uh, check us out in the After Hours Live. Got a special guest over there later, too. So everybody have a blessed night. Love y'all. Peace and love. See you next uh, week. See you next, uh, tomorrow, actually. Conversations in the Hookah Lounge, all new episodes. Queen Jean, Didi Harris. Yeah, shout out to Didi as well. Love you, Didi. And we'll see you tomorrow. Megalicious, what up? And everybody else out there, see y'all later. Peace and love. We are out of here. Rev Ali. Yeah.